Hello, and welcome to Shot Reverse Shot, a podcast all about films. I'm Matt Risby. Hello. And no one is joining me this week. It is a slightly different sounding episode. Um, And this week we're going to talk about Sheffield Documentary Festival, or Sheffield DocFest, for those in the know. A festival that I'm very lucky to have on my doorstep, um, and that the Shot Reverse Shot crew have been to several times uh my first time was going back to 2009 i think um me and ed have covered the festival a couple of times um and all three of us have been um to the festival and enjoyed it to varying degrees uh, throughout our lives and uh, we were thrilled to go and cover it um this year uh, myself and emily um spent a few days uh, seeing films going to talks seeing sessions masterclasses um and doing some kind of cool interactive stuff um and it was a jolly good time the undisputed highlight um for both myself and emily and also for probably the majority of the dotfest audience this year was the long overdue appearance of Werner herzog at the festival one of uh, the world's premier documentary makers and you know, let's be honest, one of the greatest living filmmakers. Um, had never been to the, the festival before. He'd had films in the festival before, but never actually been. Um, and this year he he brought a, a film with him, um, a film called Nomad, um, where he kind of did a Q&A afterwards. But then uh, on day three, I think it was, um, he held a 90-minute masterclass where he sat and talked us through his life, his work, his career, his outlook, and all kinds of weird shit beside and after he'd done um we kind of staggered out into the daylight and uh, sought some brunch and we sat down over a plate of kippers and a coffee to chew over what we'd just seen uh, so fresh out of the conversation with Werner herzog um it, it was everything we wanted it to be wasn't it it was and everything more. you'd expect of Werner herzog plus more he managed to be absolutely his own legend I think that's it like anything that I expected him to be has been crafted by himself Mm -hmm. there is no input on my part whatsoever and he was brutally efficient even in how he sort of ended up in quite an endearing way facilitating (laughs) his own conversation Edith Bowman did a beautiful job but the way that he'd call in clips and stuff but this mix of brutal efficiency and like just so generous Mm -hmm. like he's really kind like hanging back to just wish filmmakers good luck that was a lovely moment wasn't wasn't it it? yeah yeah so i think and again it's hard to say that that was unexpected because his films are just wrought with compassion Mm -hmm. yeah but it's just amazing to see him in the flesh yeah and it was it was nice to have a mix of what turned out to be kind of fairly deranged stories um, some of which involved demonstrating how to have give customs the slip um, if they were searching your bags by pretending to talk to an invisible Bavarian. That was quite interesting. But then also, in terms of insight into his work, uh, from a technical standpoint and from a kind of, uh, you know, how he approaches his, his, his films, um, there were some real nuggets there. Absolutely. And, and the main takeaway for me is how he was very much against... Um, things like coverage and, and in a funny story he, he 
kind of had to be had it explained to him on the set of Bad Lieutenant, which is a film made about 35 years into his filmmaking career, what coverage actually was, because he always knew what he wanted and just went for that. And knowing that, I knowing that now about how he knows how he knows what he wants and he goes for it. He doesn't want to waste any kind of time. Um, shooting extraneous things or you know safety footage or you know I'll get a master and cut away to it later he makes the film once there's that old adage that you make a film three times you write it you shoot it you edit it he's basically just making it the first time around he makes the film once and that was a real amazing takeaway and a lot of his films now seem to make a lot more sense Mm. and he was he was very much saying that if you shoot a lot you clearly don't know what you're doing you don't have that idea and 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 the idea that he has a singular vision and a singular um, kind of execution of it is something that I didn't fully appreciate until today. And there were some mind-boggling moments, like hilarious, but also just like breathtaking in awe. Also Nick Cage on the set of Bad Lieutenant (laughs) on the coverage point, getting on an Apple box and being like, everyone, finally, I'm with a man who knows what he's doing. Um, But the fact that he ended up editing Grizzly Man in nine days Mm. because he had ten days until the Sundance submission deadline. And then things like, I think you and I both just properly fell hook, line and sinker for him when he said that he actually has a clause in his contract where he has to see uh, with a key accountant and the line producer the money every day. Mm. So we can see what's going wrong and where they're wasting time and money. And he didn't mention the film, but he did kind of allude to the fact that it was Bad Lieutenant. Yes. But he brought it in at two and a half million dollars under budget. And the producer wanted to marry him. Yeah. But speaking of marriage, Mm -hmm. there was a question about his personal life, which was put very nicely and and respectfully, Mm -hmm. I think. And Werner came back with just as much nice and just as much respect and was just like, he said, you know, every day is a honeymoon with my wife. And everyone was just like, oh, oh. my God. Yeah, he was asked a question about... The, the question was a little bit jumbled, but it was around, you know, why is there no, like, kind of more explicit, open loveliness in your films? Why does it always seem to be the darker side of humanity that you're representing? What, how, what are your opinions on love and monogamy and marriage? And he basically just said, oh, I'm really happily married. Every day's a gift. <laughs> <laughs> it was just beautiful. It was really nice. Something that I didn't expect to hear from him. But mm. he was very open and generous with his answer. He could easily have just shrugged that off. But I didn't get any sense. Even when the first question in the Q&A went up, which wasn't so much a question as it was a comment of a filmmaker who had made a film on a similar subject and would you like to see my film, Mr. Herzog? He was, he was very um, uh, kind of generous and uh, understanding and nice in his refusal to do that. Yes. Yeah. And not in a knowing, because like, you could hear the collective intake of breath through teeth from the audience when this happened. Um, and no, he, I think he let her down gently. Yeah. It's amazing how dynamic he is. Like He came on with his jacket over his shoulder, fl- which, was, which looked like a fleece, essentially. <laughs> flung it not on the chair, but behind the chair that he then sat on. But every time there was a clip, I think... I think towards the end maybe he it, it, um, faded off, but he stood up and went and sat. Well, well, he went and stood by the corner of the screen mm. and looked up, which I really I've never seen anyone do that before. No. And I wonder what it is about that perspective that he's craving. That he, well, he's searching for something new in the footage. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was it was a it was 
interesting because he delivered every kind of like weird thing that you'd expect him to. He talked about insanity amongst penguins, um, the bleakness of the human condition, all those things, but did it in such a warm, kind of funny, open way. And he said things like he is reinventing cinema or, you know, that he would do a better job of directing than most people. And there was not an ounce of ego in it at all. Not at all. It, yeah. Just casually talking about, you know, being in a little Star Wars TV show. And mm. he's just like, yeah, these are all interesting people. A lot of kind words for Harmony, Corinne. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And he did say about Harmony Corinne, he's unfocused, which is a very fair... Um, lacks discipline. Yeah, lacks discipline. Um, anyone who's seen the film Trash Humpers, uh, I shudder to think about my memories of watching that film, because um, that is very undisciplined. Um, um, yeah, um, but yeah, it was, it was... Did you take away anything from the Herzog uh, Q&A that you didn't know, or that, apart from his uh, Every Day's a Honeymoon marriage? Such a good question. I think just the sheer uh, efficiency mm-hmm. of of Grizzly Man and how he yeah he said he only shot he shot four, four hours, hours and he got is, he had like several hundred hours of, yes. of Treadwell's footage, but to shoot four hours for a documentary seems insane. You know what? Actually, you saying that reminds me. I think what I came away with was his distinction between documentary and how did he put it extended journalism extended journalism yeah. which was just like a real light bulb moment for us both mm-hmm. because a lot of documentaries you see are essentially filmed long reads and his kind of defense and championing of using creativity and maybe staging some things because you get close to the truth and i was like God, of course, because the truth isn't just simply surveillance. It's mm-hmm. not just recording. Yeah. He, he's not. He's. He was like, I'm not the fly on the wall. I'm a filmmaker. Mm. And I was like, Oh, you clever boy. Yeah. And there was slightly prickly energy when he was talking about some of mm. the staging of bits uh, in the room. Um, and I think that, like, I would. It, some of the the stuff that he does stage is is obvious mm. in his films and and. There, there should be a degree of creativity. But then if you are drawing that line between documentary and extended journalism, you can do things like that. Uh, you can get creative with it and you can do interesting things. Um, and he, to illustrate the point, he used a clip from, not a documentary, from mm. the, uh, the, the Bad Lieutenant film where for reasons <gasps> unknown to anyone, he put iguanas in a scene but chose to completely kind of break down um, the walls of the fiction by filming it with a, a small video camera and having a visible stage light shining into the lens and just poking an iguana with a with a little camera, a little fiber optic camera, whilst and it is perfectly appropriate for that scene yeah. in that movie, but it goes against all the rules and all and all the established ways of doing things. And that kind of sums up exactly how he does things why would you do thing this way when i'm trying to make this point yeah absolutely um so i think that was that's a big catch for dotfest i think it must have been chasing him for some time come on give me your herzog joke sonic the herzog yeah boy (laughs) i think um is herzog more horrifying than the digital sonic the hedgehog or 
now we know that there's a warmth to him and uh, you know a deep well of love inside his heart, should they make the Sonic more like Werner Herzog? Yes. Ben Schwartz, thank you for your time, but we have a new voice in town. <laughs> it was truly a privilege to be there and, and kind of witness that talk. Um, and I can't say how kind of grateful I am to Dotfest to kind of making making that happen because it was pretty amazing. Um, and Yvonne Herzog wasn't the only high profile name in attendance this year. We had uh, Azif Kapadia, who brought his new film, Diego Maradona. Uh, to the festival which opened it um, it's a it's a really really good film and it fans of kind of Senna and and Amy will will find um, much to enjoy there and much like Senna um, which did not rely on you being a fan at all of Formula One uh, Maradona works as a as a film for people who, who, who couldn't give a shit about football because it's uh, it's a fascinating portrait of a of a, the rise and fall of, of genius basically and um yeah, that's a really good movie. Um, but yeah, we also had uh, Nick Broomfield, uh, Paul Greengrass, um, uh, Ai Weiwei, who was there and kind of had a, had a film and, and kind of talked afterwards. Um, and yeah, so there's was, was kind of a real plethora of, uh, of guests. Um, and there was kind of dozens and dozens of sessions which um, were kind of industry focused, which none of us would kind of think to see. Um, but the, the just the sheer magnitude... Um, of guests was 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 amazing, and uh, Dogfish should be thoroughly commended for doing so. Um, the festival isn't just about documentaries or films; it also plays host to uh, an incredible thread of digital arts and multimedia uh, work, um, known as the alternate realities um, section uh, and also the virtual reality section. Um, it's been growing year on year. Um, and we sent our Emily uh, to check out the best of it. Okay, Emily, so you've been taking in some of the VR, AR stuff. What have you seen I today? I have. So today I went to uh, Alternate Realities, and I would say I have uh, three highlights. First one being Spectre, which mm-hmm. was the DocFest commissioned piece for Alternate reality. So obviously stakes are high expectations are rife and i really enjoyed it the format of it is what essentially looks like an advertising board that you'd one of those electronic ones you'd see sort of by a bus stop and you stand in front of that with some headphones and a trackpad and you're asked to give um your name and your email and then you're asked whether what you are looking for today is power wealth truth or influence and what did you choose what do you think i chose power i've already got that i went to truth <laughs> got the influence and the wealth you know it doesn't matter um and it took me on a brief six minute journey teaching me how to think like an algorithm and how to influence people and nations it was an unnerving and darkly comic experience and i'm looking forward to seeing whether that can be hoard or spread around because that's the thing I think with augmented experiences I think they're brilliant but it is very difficult obviously to package that up and get more people to experience them then I'd say the um, second one that I found really touching was interactive portraits trans people in Japan I could have made that up myself but it does what it says on the tin Um, these beautiful cushions are suspended from the ceiling and there are zipped pockets in them And in these zip pockets are these Game Boy-style consoles. And you select a game. 
and it's a trans person in Japan like the game is their story Mm -hmm. so it's like an 8-bit testimonial 8-bit testimonial is a great name for an album so it's ours that's our uh, that's our side act sorry Ed Mm -hmm. you can play triangle Um, and in the program um, I think this term has been coined specifically for it cyber twee which I just love Mm. and and it really had that um, you know everything looks like a sort of Mario game but it is these incredibly intimate experiences and then my highlight uh, is Centronics which is an algorithmically generated perfume okay so you answer these multiple choice sliding scale questions Mm -hmm. to do with your personality and also your kind of scent preferences and how if you wear perfume, how you wear it, and for what, and what you're trying to get out of it. Mm-hmm. I never thought that hard about perfume before in my life. Not even whilst watching mm-hmm. perfume. Um, and then there's a there's a line of six small sort of bell jars, and part of the questionnaire is like, how does this smell to you? And you kind of have it on the sliding scale, and then you come up to this like lab apparatus. Mm-hmm. You're given a number, and you put in your number after you've waited your significant turn, and this like glorious Willy Wonka-style like laboratory, your little empty vial pops along and you know, puts in the requisite amount of all of this different um, pick-and-mix style. And then you get it at the end, and you get to smell it and take it home with you but you have to rate it in terms of like do you like it and what was it in terms of your expectations and I have right in front of you this is great for a podcast isn't it this is going to be radio gold this is Ode Benita hang on so I'm, I'm, I'm watching Emily unscrew the lid of a small vial um, get a load of this I'm going to give it a whiff now everybody I mean that's pretty nice and that's that's your essence. That is my <laughs> essence. Boiled down. That's a Horcrux right there. That's a reference I don't understand. <laughs> Tell me oh, what's I in know that. I you don't do references. Well, mine is very woody and sensual, uh-huh. quite masculine, seeing as I do like sensual, woody, masculine experiences. Um, but of all people in the queue, there was uh, Magic, <laughs> Magic, Magic, <laughs> who asked me what was going on. And I just was so stunned. I told him actually what was going on and didn't get to congratulate him <laughs> or, mm. or say anything or be like, hello, could I just get you saying, hey, short reverse shot. So absolute fail on the jingle part from me. Yeah, I'll find him. That's a weird thing to have to explain to someone when they ask you what's going on. That we're still in a dark room in a Willy Wonka style um, situation to try and make a, an essence. Just waiting, uh, waiting yeah. on my pheromones. Just waiting on my pheromones. Um, the thing that I found so powerful about it is that as we move ever increasingly into like digital space, and I think what is amazing is that it's those tactile and sensory experiences, like scent, like mm-hmm. touch, that are actually smell, like like just you know that th- th- that's a way a dimension that hasn't been able to be digitized and it's kind of safe so it was amazing to have that comparison of something so uh digitally produced but actually organic or Mm. like you know virtually designed yeah and i'm just glad i've come away with some free perfume i wasn't expecting that yeah i mean you've got to take what you can get with the goodie bags the problem is with a lot of this arvr stuff is like you say the application beyond the festival Mm. It would be nice to see something like that go out on the road or be, you know, 
applied some some other way? Because you do the questionnaire through a website, and it's just the production and pickup. So if, if it were me, and if anyone's asking me, I would, you know, you can put it on um, the internet, and then when it's generated, you can go down and watch it being generated at a hub, and then you just bring in your number, and you can see it, and then take it home, maybe in like a sort of drop-off pickup point style way. I don't know. But I, it did make me feel... It's the bit where I get a bit queasy about DocFest because we're so fortunate to be here and to be able to be here. And that's a very ephemeral experience, which is one of the best things about festivals is not just seeing a film that you could possibly see when it's released, but also to see conversations with filmmakers or to meet other people and to expand your network. So as much as I loved it, there was a little bit of a kind of... Oh, I feel like a bit of a culture twat. <laughs> Twats. Yeah, that's us. Um, so that's on for all of Docfest, isn't it? It I is think. on for the entirety of Docfest. Yes, it is. Okay. All day. I will try and check out and I will make my own musk, which will smell, no doubt, of uh, desperation and um, bitterness. I think you'll break the machine. I think I'll have to clear the area. Well, yeah. well listeners, I, I did not break the machine. Um, but uh, it broke my phone battery <laughs> because, uh, yeah, it's quite a long process you go through, but it's very, very cool, the algorithmic uh, perfumery. Um, I really enjoyed it. I went to check out Spectre as well, um, and just that whole part of DotFest was something that I've not done before. Like I said at the start, I've been going for like 10 years now, and um, I never really kind of done much of that, um, but I did this year. Um, my highlight was um, something called the Social Sorting Experiment, which was run by a Dutch um, kind of performance troupe called the Smartphone Orchestra, which was held in the Crucible Studio, where it took a 100 strangers and put them in a room together and d- followed instructions on a screen where you downloaded uh, an app and then when everyone was in the room, they started. And if you weren't paying attention, you weren't looking at your phone and following the instructions, you were asked to to, to kind of get into um, a numbered grid on the floor and a certain number, it asked you to go somewhere and stand. Um, and if you weren't paying attention, you were kind of stood at the back and everyone else was moving around and you were just kind of looking confused. But after a while, they got us all in, a, in an order and then they decided to start ranking us by making us turn to each other um rate the other person um on their attractiveness how much money you thought they earned um how much you um thought their ears were attractive it was a very weird little questionnaire you got and then you moved to another grid number and then you rated that person then you rated that person and then it started to sort you into categories and it was really interesting and it was very cool because it could have been very mean-spirited and bad-natured but ultimately uh, at the end of our session we sorted 100 strangers into the order in which they looked like a squirrel and to be fair to the lady who was chosen as the, by the group who thought she looked most like a squirrel she did look just like a squirrel um, and you know, she, she was pretty happy about that um, I was ranked 4th last in um like what people thought i earned which was i mean i i took it as both a slight and you know a massive compliment because you know i'm I'm not about that life um but that was a very cool thing and and like i say in a, in more mean-spirited hands that could have some seriously dark applications um but as it was uh it was a super enjoyable hour um and i'd be really interested to see uh where those guys uh go with that technology and those ideas but what was cool this year to see at dot fest was just how much 
uh, the alternate realities and VR stuff had expanded and how it is, um, you know, kind of like a truly like a, a really kind of um, sturdy pillar of the festival. Uh, and that's awesome to see. Film wise, um, I've got some personal highlights from the festival. Um, I really enjoyed the movie Push, uh, which is a Swedish film about the global housing crisis and how um, big companies are buying up both um, huge sections of cities that are, you know, multi-million dollar properties and leaving them vacant as investments but also buying up huge tracts of uh, low-income housing and how they're exploiting that and kind of the difference between um gentrification and something a bit more sinister that was a really interesting movie um and uh, it was a really good film it was also notable because in the screening that i was in which was um the uk premiere um the subtitles didn't work and for a film that was uh 30 in either korean italian french or german uh, it was pretty confusing to those of us who aren't kind of like hella bilingual um and yeah uh, i loved the fact the fact that in kind of total british politeness no one said anything <laughs> we all just kind of like sat in silence and enjoyed it um anyway and yeah that was kind of cool um that was a very good film uh, i also saw the film seahorse which is an incredibly powerful and moving documentary uh, about a trans man uh, called uh, freddie mcconnell who um uh, gives birth has has a baby and that's just a, a fascinating um uh, look at um at that experience uh, director Janie finley who had uh, also the game of thrones documentary the last watch uh, in the festival as well um she was there to introduce in the film and talk about it and and yeah it was it was an incredibly interesting and moving journey to go on with someone it felt super personal um and you know had a real depth to it that was just incredible um i also saw the aforementioned maradona movie that was great uh, we saw the harvey weinstein documentary uh, untouchable which was pretty grueling not gonna lie um kind of two two and a bit hours of of, of quite intense sexual survivor sexual assault survivor testimony which was pretty brutal um left us feeling pretty hollow afterwards um yeah those were all highlights but my my personal favorite film uh, was a film that I, I didn't know anything about that that i just kind of had a ticket for and didn't really expect too much of it was a film called the amazing jonathan documentary which was about the american magician the amazing jonathan who by reading the blurb in the book i didn't really know but then as soon as i saw him on tv i instantly recognized him as, as a kind of a face from kind of uh, 80s and 90s television and the film which is directed by a guy called ben berman is a incredibly funny um documentary about uh, the magician who says that he has one year to live after being diagnosed with a rare heart condition and Ben Berman starts to follow him and talk about the fact that he wants to make some kind of comeback but is scared that this might be the thing that tips him over the edge and kills him off. Then a couple of things, I won't, I really have to try hard not to spoil what happens in this documentary because a few things happen that completely turn the film round and turn it into something completely different to what it started as and the inciting incident for all of this is when ben berman the director realizes that there is another documentary crew following the amazing jonathan and from there it descends into something quite brilliant um very touching very funny um and that was 
definitely, definitely my favourite film I saw at the festival. Uh, the big winners at the festival in terms of the awards were for Osama, um, the, the kind of film about the Syrian war. Um, and I didn't get to see that because I have a unnervingly eerie gift for missing any film that wins an award at DocFest. I can really pick them, guys. Um, I will always, always, always see the thing that was playing at the same time in the next cinema. I'll always miss it. Um, but for Sama, which is from everyone I spoke to who saw it, said it was a quite remarkable piece of work. And that's all I have to go on, because I, like I said, I was watching something, probably watching something quite stupid at the same time. Um, but yeah, that was they were my personal picks. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't really see any duffers. Um, they were it was all good. The quality of film was incredibly high this year. It's an enormous undertaking, a festival of this size, um, you know, with with thousands of delegates and, you know, filmmakers and and, and kind of coming from all over the world, delegations coming from all over the world. Um, It's one hell of a thing to put on. And I caught up with Maria Stoneman, who is the operations manager of DotFest, a.k.a. the person who has to solve all the problems as they pop up uh, during the festival. And uh, I saw her on day one, and she looked pretty bright and breezy. And then I caught her on day six, and boy, did she look like she needed a drink. So I grabbed her, stuck a microphone in her face, and uh, made her answer some questions about what it takes to get this festival on. Okay, so it's over. How do you feel? tired <laughs> but good really good buzzing um, I'm really really pleased with um, the festival from uh, operational point of view it feels quite slick mm. happy with the volunteers um, they made it through the festival with us so <laughs> that's good yeah and from our point of view the people who come and enjoy it it all seems like a very well-oiled machine but give us a sense of the scale of the festival how many venues how many volunteers how many staff yeah, okay, so um, we're a year-round team of 16. We start planning in September. Um, we used, this year, 29 venues across the city centre. Um, we had 3,500 industry delegates from 59 countries. That is hot off the press. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, this year, 650 volunteers to work, not just, well, just volunteer over the festival, but there's two weeks either side of the festival that is about you know building and de-rigging the festival so so that's quite a a logistical operation from your point of view and you're the person who's in charge of all of that yes (laughs) yeah we have i should say that um it's not just 16 that deliver the festival there's a team of 60 that it grows to i should have said that before (laughs) um i I will let you off because you look very tired (laughs) (laughs) i'm very tired um, and then like a, an amazing team of like technicians and venue coordinators and stuff that we work with. So it's like it's a big operation, lots of training. We get mm-hmm. things wrong sometimes, but we learn yep. from it, hopefully. Um, um, how, how was the festival compared to other years? Because I think I ran into you earlier in the festival and you said there was a lot more public engagement this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, it feels busier. Our um, dot lover wristbands have been a real success mm-hmm. over the past three years. That's probably to do with our ticketing system. Mm-hmm. That is, this, it's called uh, Via, which is the same ticketing system that Edinburgh Fringe uses. Mm-hmm. So it's perfect for what we need, like that kind of cross venue selling and um, interaction with audiences across the festival. So we can really track where people go, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool, kind of weird if you think about it too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the, we've kind of really worked quite hard on developing our audiences in Sheffield um, and South Yorkshire so looking at um, kind of what are they bar- what's those barriers um, to 
getting involved. So we've run a project called From Door to Dock this year. Mm -hmm. uh, it's actually the third year we've run it. Um, and it kind of targets people who've never been a part of Dockfest. Um, and basically they come and experience the festival for a pound. Mm. Have a, a cinema screening, get some food, go to the alternate realities exhibition, and then we, we pick them up and take them home. So it's a really good, lovely project for people. So we do that. That's pretty amazing, because uh, I've lived in Sheffield for 20 years and I've only really been coming to Dockfest for the last 10. And it's interesting because in the first 10 years, I always just thought it was an industry festival that wasn't open to the public. Yeah. But it really is. And that's the people of Sheffield are very, and South Yorkshire, are very lucky to have something like this on their doorstep, which is like, a, you know, in the top three documentary festivals in the world, easy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not, we have made baby steps towards like making it more accessible but mm. and I'm not pretending that we don't have loads more work to do but I think we are getting there and um, it's exciting because the next couple of years obviously we'll have a new director in place um, and there'll be lots of new surprises I'm sure with mm. that. Um, so just quickly do you have a highlight of the festival or is or is the six days that the festival runs just you're not thinking about it you're just trying to plow on and get through it? Uh, I have I've only ever seen one film at Dogfest, <laughs> which is uh, which was actually this year opening night film at Maradona. Mm -hmm. So that was awesome to see so many people in the auditorium. But um, for me, it's about uh, the amount of people, the amount of volunteers I have mm -hmm. coming and interacting and getting so much out of it. So whether they're um, here just to meet new friends and are from Sheffield because they um, and they're from Sheffield and just want to get involved with the festival or whether they're here because they want to try and get involved with the industry and their first step on the ladder mm -hmm. that's like that program is really for everyone so that's my kind of most uh, highlight of the festival wicked and what are you going to do now it's over <laughs> uh, well <laughs> tonight I'm going to have some pints <laughs> <laughs> and then the rest of the week we've got clean up but the weekend is going to be sweet <laughs> yeah nice you've earned it thank you and that is all she wrote uh, for Dotfest this year. Um, we really enjoyed it, and Emily and I would both like to personally extend our thanks to the festival, the volunteers, the you know the huge team that put it on and made everyone feel so welcome and made the festival feel so accessible. And yeah, next year we'll be back and uh, we'll try and do it, uh, and we'll kind of get Ed over as well, and we'll, we'll try and get as much seen as we possibly can. And I will hopefully see something that wins an award because um, that would be a turn up for the books but then also why break the habit of a lifetime um, thanks very much for uh, listening if you've enjoyed the show please uh, subscribe to us on iTunes uh, Stitcher Acast wherever it is that you listen to podcasts we're also on Twitter and Facebook uh, we are at SRS underscore podcast um, and if by following us and subscribing to us and spreading the word is how we grow our audience which is really important um thank you very much for listening and we'll be back again next week where normal service will be resumed yeah.